The Saints are 3-3 three and three heading into a pivotal Week 7 matchup on Thursday night against the Jaguars. We'll talk about that and the offense right here. Special presentation from Buku Media here. We're going to do kind of a fan-generated show here today. If you have questions about the Saints offense, you throw them in. John and I will talk about it right here uh, on Boo Crew Media. And as always, this is brought to you by Scott Fickner, Injury Lawyers. You've been injured in any kind of accident, car, truck, 18-wheeler, or hurt offshore. Scott Fickner handles it all. You give him a call at 504-500-1111 for a free consultation. They'll always fight for the win. John, uh, I don't know if this is how I expected the first six weeks of the season to go. I don't know about you, but how's everything, man? It's it's good, personally, you know, for the Saints. Um you know, I think a lot of these issues, if they're four and two and five and one, we're not talking about this. But the reality is we are talking about it. You know, I, I think that we thought this team would be a little bit better, you know, to go two and one without Kamara in the lineup. And now he's back and just kind of off. Right. And, and the good news is there's still 11 games left to play, but we got to see some marked improvement. But look, to answer your question, I'm doing fantastic. This weather is rolling through in South Louisiana. It looks absolutely amazing outside of being outside more. My boys are playing and stuff. It's just, uh, it's a good time. Yeah, I, I love to hear that. I, I always tell people, if the Saints can't give us a good Sunday, I hope all the other days of the week for everyone else uh, are pretty good. But to your point, it is interesting, right? This Saints team, it, it's fascinating to me because they probably should be 5-1 and one right now, despite not even playing great football. Like, I thought they could have got to 5-1 and one as we saw how these games transpired. Or at the minimum, 4-2. and two. Let's say we don't give them the Texans game, but we give them the Packers game. And yet you would feel like, in a good way, they haven't peaked yet. And I think what's frustrating about it, too, on top of all this, not just the Saints' problems right now, it's the NFC as a whole. The best record would have been 5-1, and one, would have been tied for it. So there is that opportunity, and it almost adds up with kind of the vision where they saw, hey, I think this NFC is gettable, but if you can't handle your own business, obviously, uh, then you have no chance. But before I get into any questions, and, and this is how we kind of want to run it, if you have any questions, comments about the Saints' offense, or Saints in general through the first six games, the upcoming Jaguars game, we'll pull it up on the show and discuss. But before I get into that, John, I, I want to ask you, what's been your biggest concern when you watch the Saints right now offensively? Is it maybe the lack of using the middle of the field? Is it maybe two wide receivers, uh, too many times you see wide receivers in the same spot? Is it the red zone uh, deficiencies? And you put up a really you know staggering graphic uh, yesterday that kind of showed it with through the first six games, 2023, 36.8% red zone, I think it was, uh, in terms of, is it percentage they scored, John, or is it percentage of touchdown? It's a percentage. Uh, it's 7 of 19. So 19 trips to red zone, 7 makes. So it ranks 29th in the league. That's just kind of put it in perspective. So it's it's just, it's a tough time with the red zone. I And and like to go still, but that's my biggest issue is the, the red zone offense. And again, you convert different discussion. Even if you get one or two, in the games that you haven't been able to convert, it's a different story. And I think that's been the biggest sour sticking point is, you know, you look at 2021 as a prime example, they're 14 to 16 in the first 16 games. I mean, first six games. I mean, that's a big difference. Right. And so look, I think personally, the green Bay game was kind of like the reality check for this team. Houston this weekend was, I don't know if I want to say rock bottom, but I think it was the, the rock bottom so far in a way, if that makes any sense. And so, I think it's got to be better because look, there is some encouraging things to look at like 430 yards of offense. When you look at some of these other elite offenses, the way they played this week, they kind of sucked. Right. And so I like their ability to move the football and stuff, but, and that's good and all, but you got to put points up on the board. And so, you know, it, it brings bigger questions because if I'm Jacksonville, 
if I can get to 20, I feel good about it, right? I think I can win this game if I can get to at least 20 or 21. But, you know, for me, I, I think it's been progressively it's been off and on it's been inconsistently uh inconsistent product i think michael thomas can be used more i question you know jimmy graham where's he at you know in that last end of sequence if you're throwing up fades why is jimmy graham not on the field getting one of those right and stuff um and that end of sequence game that's that's a total total whiff um and such so there's a lot going on but i think again if this team's four and two or five and one nobody cares um the good news and silver lining for those who like the half full it's early in the season. There is still time to figure it out, but man, they got four winnable games on the docket right now. It starts with Jacksonville. If they come in, lay an egg against Jacksonville at home, I think there's some bigger, deeper conversations to have because it's just, it's not good. It's not what we should expect from this offense with all this talent. And I get, they're going to have a lot of shuffling on offensive line. I'm sure we'll talk about that, but it just has to be better. It has to be executed because that's what they get paid to do. Yeah, and you mentioned the yard thing. I thought it was fascinating because I think there's times where you look at yardage on offense and you think it's maybe, I don't want to say empty yards, but you maybe put two and two together, go, all right, this team was down like 20 nothing the entire game. And like they were getting to the red zone when it mattered most, no problem. And then once they got there, it's like just the tires fell off, everything came off uh, this team. So we're getting to some comments here as we go through this. And we're going to get the first one here from David. He says, uh, any hints, comments, thoughts from ownership uh, I guess this means, are there any hints or comments about maybe a change offensively? Uh, I know DA's done a pretty good job of talking about, you know, whether it's execution-based or whatever it is, and pretty much giving the politically correct answer as a head coach should. Uh, for you, John, you're in the building the whole time. Do you feel like there is that sense of urgency in terms of, man, if things don't go well Thursday, maybe the the gears start to go a little bit and things start to change? Yeah, I, I don't think we're there yet. And and I get everybody's talking, but this team's three and three, right? Now, if, if you were 0 and 6 and you got to do what Carolina did, right? And in and, and Frank Reich moving off from play calling dues, you got to make a change like that. And so uh again, if this was a Jim Ursay or a Jerry Jones, yeah, they'd be absolutely vocal. But you know, look, you got Dennis Lausha and, and obviously Mickey Loomis who handles this team and, and they're letting De- Dennis Allen do his thing. You know, there's a lot of trust there. They really like DA in this building and such it's, it's just people inside the building know what has to get done. It's just a matter of putting it together and executing. I think that's the two biggest things. And so I, I think the mood in this locker room is, is strong still. Uh, I think there's been a lot of uh, humbling conversations uh, without getting too detailed that, that have happened, but nobody's down on themselves. I just think they're tired of losing. I think they're tired of losing in the ways they've been able to lose. Um, and it's something's got to change. And so if Thursday happens, like I think Alvin said it best, if nobody's seen Alvin's interview, I mean, he was emotional. He's talking. I mean, he's about as real as he can get. Right. And DeMario addressed the team and such. I, I just think, you know, to answer the question, no, we're not there yet. I don't think that's a point where we're going to hopefully get to. But if they start losing these next several games, then you got to ask the questions and see. Is that something that has a little bit more merit to it? Yeah, no, that's that's interesting for sure. And obviously, if it you know struggle on Thursday, then I guess the noise gets louder. Got another comment here. Uh, what do you think about Pete Carmichael's comments about the offense doing too much? I can't imagine how things will improve by them doing less uh, in Pete's eyes. Now, I think what I could kind of give my take on this, and I'll swing it over to you, John. I think what they're meaning is you really only have three days to kind of prepare. It is a short week. I don't think you have to overcomplicate things for the Saints offense. And I don't know, maybe maybe doing less means 
going back to kind of the basics, and you you talked about it, I think a lot of people mentioned they can use Michael Thomas on slants a lot more than they've done so far. They can use Alvin in space a little bit more. Um, you mentioned Jimmy Graham before, maybe a couple red zone targets for him. Like, I don't think doing less P. Carmichael means like he's going to do less work throughout the week. But uh, when you kind of hear that, what do you think game plan wise and, and something you mentioned before, we got to put into kind of perspective where whatever they game plan for the Jaguars is probably in mind with a banged up offensive line. Yeah. And look, something I, I put out last night, I was, I was just looking at some of the statistics and it talked about their unique line combinations. And it's like a very, very large gap, a large delta. I think it was like 80 or 90 more than what some of the other teams are doing offensively. And again, that speaks to some of the creativity, the looks they like to have. I mean, that's that's just kind of how the Saints offense runs. But, you know, when I, I heard the comment, obviously being right there and saying do too much again, Look, I, I think you're not going to say, oh, well, this is a simplified game plan. But I think that when you look at it, some of the things that le left off to me and is I'm in the middle of my film study, Kendra Miller was a huge focal point last week. He was barely used this week, right? And and Taysom's more active in the receiving department. That was good to see in some aspects. Um, but again, like I brought up on the final drive, you see the communication, you see some of the things at the end of the game. You know, the, my biggest complaint about that was, you had to hook up to Alave. You had time on the clock. You had a timeout. I don't understand the rushing up to the line to run a play where Alave has no idea what's going on. I mean, you see him, he throws his hands up because he doesn't know what's going on. And, you know, I put that out on, on Boot Crew just as a short, but that whole sequence, it was just shot after shot after shot. And, and the protection wasn't there. The Texans knew what they were doing. And you got to tip their cap to them. But, you know, look, hopefully they can get some extra weapons like Jamal Williams. He's been designated to return from IR. I would love to see that one, two punch, but you know, again, the decisions when it counts, that's really what we're kind of waiting to see. And so by him saying he's doing too much, maybe it's a little bit too, too complex in some aspects. And, and I, again, you have to be very smart to run this offense because it is very complex and such, even going back to Sean Payton days, but you know, I don't think that's indicative in saying the players aren't smart or they don't know what's going on because I know they knew how to do things. They just have to make sure that they're paying attention to the fine details and execute. I mean, this is really all that we kind of hear is that, you know, people have got to get better. It's execution. And at some point you got to execute. And if it's not doing it, you got to ask the deeper questions of, well, if this person's not executing, then who's the person that's going to get this executed? Because again, you're expected to be in the playoffs this year. You know, this organization has made all these moves that has helped DA and, and such, and you've got all your guys picked. You got to deliver on this. And again, an AFC loss, not as big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. The problem I think is this team has never had the luxury of saying, well, you know, it's week 13 or 15. I need a win from X team and they can get that win. So you hope these early games, these early losses don't mean much, but, all they need is one, then hopefully show consistency. And if they go on a tear and win three of the next four, then we'll probably laugh about it. But until we see that and until we see that execution, you know, we're going to be a little bit more suspicious than, you know, optimistic in here. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned the schedule and I, I know that you, you don't want to go past Thursday's game and, I, and I'm not doing that. But what I, what I would say is it's frustrating in a sense that they are getting scheduling breaks. I, I felt like back then guys would always come back from injuries and they'd play the saints. It, it just almost, it always had that vibe. And I know 
fans have always joked about it. But, you know, this Thursday, if you play Trevor Lawrence, he's not going to be 100%, or maybe he doesn't play Mm -hmm. at all. You know, the week's coming after that. You're not going to play Anthony Richardson. The Vikings may not have Justin Jefferson. The Bears will see with Justin Fields' thumb. But there are scheduling breaks, and even if those players were healthy, they're not necessarily, you know, juggernaut teams outside of Thursday. I'd say the Jags, obviously, this is a team that was in the, the divisional round last year. But the schedule has opened up. Uh, and, you know, we talk about Pete Carmichael a lot, and I know that's been the hot topic, and I understand that's rightfully so. But I want to get into a comment here, actually, that makes me kind of shift gears, and we'll talk about Derek Carr for a sec. Not necessarily this comment in general, but they said hindsight is twenty twenty. The Saints really paid a quarterback who got shut out in the Superdome, believe you would elevate the offense. Now, I don't know if I'd go too much into that comment. I know that's really been a popular thing on, on Saints Twitter, people talking about whether or not the Carr signing's worth it and people getting into the specifics about the salary, this and that. I think for me, what's frustrating is there were moments on Sunday where I did actually think Derek Carr was making progress, and then once you get into the red zone and you see his career red zone numbers, obviously that's a concern. For you, when you've been watching Derek Carr, if you go, I don't want to say placing blame because that's not the right thing to do, but when you start going on concerns or who's got to really deliver, how much is it of it do you think is on Carmichael? How much do you also think is on Derek Carr where it's like, you know, they did pay you to kind of overcome certain things, elevate the offense. What, what do you kind of think the way he's been through the first six weeks? Yeah, I think it's been up and down and it's been a hard, you know, a hard press because again, he gets a defense behind him. He's never had this strong of a defense. And then all he needs to come and do is, is be efficient, you know, manage the game, you know, just be a little bit better than what Andy Dalton was to this team last year. And so again, you look at some of the things and it wasn't just at the end of the game. I mean, there was times where, Rashid Shahid, I'm not trying to single people out, but Shahid wasn't clearly on the same page. And it almost led to a pick because he wasn't expecting it. And so as a receiver, you probably need to know your assignment a little bit better. Um, and so, again, communication is everything in this game. And so, look, if you're going to pass judgment on six games, that's that's kind of hard. And I, I can't control or, or make you necessarily think that. But if you're going to be that quick to judge somebody, I mean – you know, you go look at Drew. He wasn't totally setting the world on fire his first six six games here with the Saints. I mean, there's just certain things you, you can go back and say, well, if you're going to base something on six games, maybe, you know, you, you got to be able to willingly go there with other comments, you know, other players, other things that have happened because, you know, people could probably say, well, six games in Isaiah Foskey, what is he a bust? No, I don't believe that. I think he's getting better and better each week and he's learning a lot more, but you know, again, I just don't like the six games in. Everybody says, well, we overpaid because Derek Carr's not a, a super high paid quarterback. I mean, look at the other contracts Patrick Mahomes is having, all these other guys. I mean, he's not getting paid a super ton of money. They just have got to deliver. I think it's going to take a little bit of patience on, on Saints fans' part. And I understand it because I've sat through a lethargic offense for the past two years. I don't like seeing it any more than what you guys are seeing too. I want to be able to write about a win. I want to be able to write about better things that have happened to the saints offense, but it is getting a little bit old. I think Derek Carr can be the guy. I think he can lead them in the right direction. And again, the first half of the season doesn't mean Jack. I mean, of course you want to win your games. You want to be in a favorable position, but the back half is where you want to play your best football, specifically after Thanksgiving, going into December, maybe January is where you're hoping for it. But uh, again, I think the defense, you saw what they were able to do in the halftime adjustments. 
The offense has to be able to replicate the same thing. They've got to be able to make the adjustments. They have to deliver. And look, again, I'm on my film study right now. The first drive, they were doing a lot of good things, but the problem is the inconsistency. So you get a really nice run or a pass to Alvin Kamara. Then you run the ball to the left side and you lose several yards. Then you got a big uh, play here where Taysom hands off to Kendra Miller drops for a loss, but then you go back to Miller out in the flats and you get a big pass play hookup. I mean, it's just the inconsistency, the pre-snap penalties, all that has to go away. You got to be able to play at a more consistent level for this team. And they just haven't been able to. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I do agree. Look, I'm frustrated. You're frustrated. We're all frustrated. If they could just find a way, it's still open. Everyone's obviously three and three right now. We'll see how that goes. This is an interesting question. And I don't, it's weird because when I re when I kind of rewatched the Texans game and someone brings up Olave and maybe effort and whatever, uh, I will say there are routes where it seems like it's not 1000% effort. What I also would say on the other hand is I do think his energy in the second half was noticeably different. Like he seemed like a guy that was eager to get that football and fight for it every play. Um, but I'm curious when you watch this Saints game, does it feel like there is, and this isn't singling out Olave, this is just about the offense in general. And it kind of goes hand in hand with what Alvin was talking about when it turns comes to sacrificing and putting in the prep you need in order to win on Sundays. Does it feel like it's kind of a consensus thought that man, not everyone is either A on the same page and B not putting in the necessary work offensively, just What's your kind of read on that? Not just with people's complaints on Twitter or whatever, but when Alvin speaks out and talks about, I know that I'm making the sacrifices, but I can't speak for everyone else. What's kind of the read you get on, on something like that? I mean, it's a gut check. I mean, it's a thing that everybody needs to understand and dig deep. And, and of course they are making sacrifices because they have families, they have all these things. And, and so if you're not putting in the time, you're just kind of going through it. And again, I'm not going to say that about any particular person because look, Chris Lave had a bad past couple of games, but I thought he rebounded nicely. But again, you look at that end of sequence, he's barely on a trotting on a route, but he doesn't know what's going on because he threw his hands up. He has no idea what's what the play is. And so it didn't make it to him. I can't fault the guy for that. I think he had a really nice second half. I think he needed that second half, but he's not a guy that I'm really worried about. I, I get it, but we're not going to try to manufacture any type of drama. It's just that, People have got to know their assignment. They have to be able to execute their assignment. And whether that's putting in extra film study or doing extra things in the gym or just getting those extra reps, it's it's what you got to do. And that's kind of the standard that Demario and Cam, Derek Carr, Eric McCoy, guys like that, Alvin have set that, you know, they want to go home too. But just because it's time to punch out, they may stay 30, 45 minutes extra. And that extra time means a lot more in the grand scheme of things. And I think that's what they've kind of hit on and alluded to. That's just kind of the, the effort and part of being a professional. And so, look, I think it's a challenge to everybody. And, you know, I don't think that this locker room's in a situation where um, you're going to see them air out the dirty laundry. You're never going to see that. But again, like I've said, if they can't win on Thursday, I think it's going to be where it's going to get a little bit more tense in there. But I think this is more of a reality check for them in, in such a, a the thing where, look, you got to stop playing around. This is a time where you're wasting guys like Demario Davis and Cam Jordan the rest of their time or a Michael Thomas. This may be the last year you have with Mike, right? And so you're wasting that talent and that opportunity and you got to put it together. But good teams find a way. 
You know, I talked to, uh, we heard Carlin Saunders talking about it. He's been on two Super Bowl teams. They had their fair share of struggles and they had the same type of things that had to be worked out. And so I don't think it's reinventing the wheel. I think every team has to go through it. It's those leaders that help inspire the other ones that are going to hopefully help the other ones to execute and do what they're supposed to do. And that hopefully leads to wins. Yeah. And, and we'll see. I'm sure you've been asked this question before. I, I don't know if this is even the solution for this point, but Zach asks, and it's a fair question to ask considering he was there in the off season, but do you think there's any uh, scenario where Gruden gets kind of brought in here? I, I guess to kind of fix the offense, but I don't even know if that's something necessarily that Gruden would be able to do, but uh, what are your kind of thoughts on that possibility? Yeah. I mean, he came in more of a consultant role and I, I get everybody's done it, but they've done this before. They, they brought in Mike Martz a couple of years ago. They brought in a lot of these guys, just to, to kind of get it. And maybe they do that again, just to be like, Hey, what are we missing on? What are we doing wrong? But I don't think he's going to be anything on a staff member level, but you know, again, I don't think John Gruden would be a guy that comes in and fix the problem. And so again, let's just wipe this out. Hypothetically, if Pete can't get the job done, I don't think he's is a candidate and say, well, we're just going to fire him because a, they respect Pete a lot. I think he could do something else with game planning they may turn to RC Ronald Curry uh, potentially if that doesn't get better. But again, the execution has to be there. And, and again, if they lose a lot of these next games, then you got to ask the questions. I think it's a valid claim, but you know, again, we need to see it happen. We need to see it sooner rather than later. And the biggest thing, and like I said about the, the game after new England, you got to make sure that that's not just a one-time thing. You got to be able to build upon that and show everybody that it's not a fluke, but to answer your question, Gruden, I don't see it being brought in, especially as a staff member, just maybe as a consultant saying, Hey, what the heck are we doing wrong? Yeah, fair, fair enough. I don't know if this is so much as a question from Jerry who, who constantly checks out Buku media stuff. So I definitely appreciate it, but he says, can we win Thursday night? So I'll, I'll kind of add to it. The Saints win if they do what Thursday night outside of just, you know, the obvious score points. But what would kind of be maybe one of your big keys for Thursday's game? Uh, I think it's the the pressure on Trevor Lawrence. And so with him having that injury, you know, look, he's a, a running threat. And so he's kind of like in that group with a Jordan Love or a CJ Stroud where he just does things that can extend the play and do all these things. He has some nice weapons with Evan Ingram, Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk. I mean, they have the talent to be able to do things in Travis Etienne. I think they'll be able to do much better against the run. The biggest thing is can they get the pressure consistently and make sure Trevor Lawrence doesn't take off with his legs. I mean, I think that's the biggest key for me. And then, you know, offensive line. Look, I said this. I, I said it plenty of times. My concern was always with the depth in the offensive line, and I always said it was a matter of when and not if. We knew that this was going to happen. Now you're suffering and being like, okay, now we're kind of having some issues right here where all these guys are hurt, playing hurt, all these types of things. That has to to obviously look a lot better, and it's unfortunate because I think there are some guys that are playing extremely well, and and you know a lot of people are making a lot of big deals about this Trevor Penning stuff, and and so sometimes you got to pull the reins back on a guy like that. But you know, for somebody to just be like, well, he's a bust, that's kind of not fair, and it's also pretty naive for you to just kind of say that because of. Well, maybe it was because of Marcus Davenport or maybe because of Peyton Turner. I, I don't think that's a situation there. I think Trevor has to learn more and he has to be willing to learn more and, and be able to execute. And he, I think with him, not to go on a total tangent, but it's just him getting in his own head, right? Because he's 
trying to think through and talking about like, you got to have your hand placement. You got to set your feet, right. You got to have the angle. There's all these things about playing left tackle and protecting the blind side that you just have to do. And for the average fan or for the fan that just doesn't know much, it's not just a matter of, Oh, let's set hut. And we're just going to pass and pass block this guy. You got a lot of different rushing looks that come off of this. And so it's just one of those things that's maddening, but I say all that to say, Stop Trevor Lawrence and and negate what he's able to do. And look, Jacksonville's done really well at taking the ball away. They're actually number one in the league with 15 takeaways. The Saints have got to play a very relatively mistake-free game. I think that's the other big key. And so I think they can win. I feel like they can win. Um, and a lot of these guys are ready to get back on the field and, and work and try to get this win. So I think they can, but Jacksonville's not going to be an easy test. I didn't think Houston was going to be an easy test either. Yeah, no, Houston, it, it took, what, D'Amico Ryan's a week to uh, turn that franchise around and get them in a positive direction. He's been great. So you mentioned They're going to be a good team. They're going to be a really oh, good team if they can keep sure. going. I will say, John, the one thing that I took, the bright spot of Sunday's game, was I'm glad C.J. Stroud wasn't the Panthers pick. Not a knock on Bryce Young, by the way, because I think Bryce can figure this thing out. That You know, obviously through six games, that's it's not indicative of what his career will be. But C.J.'s figured it out pretty fast, and I'm kind of glad at least the Saints don't have to face him uh, twice a year for the next couple of years. Uh, you mentioned Penning. It feels, you know, I think we got to take into account too. This is really kind of like his rookie year. I know that's not what people want to hear, but you kind of lost the first year because of injury. Uh, so we'll get to a super chat here from uh, Hoodie Juby. Appreciate the support, man. He says, with Demario Davis missing two straight practices with a knee injury, could the Saints finally look toward activating veteran linebacker Jalen Smith to the roster? John, what do you think about that? Yeah, I actually put a, a short out earlier talking about it. I don't think we should be that concerned because. We're coming off a short week, so Monday was an estimated report. Tuesday, I mean, these guys weren't in pads at all, right? This is just more of a like, kind of a walkthrough type thing. Demario was there, you know, and, and such, so I, I don't think it was a big thing. I think this is more indicative of saying, okay, we just want to make sure that our veterans like him, Cam, Tyron, are getting a little bit more rest so they're able to play on this short week, and so – I don't think it's a big deal. I get it. The optics don't look that good, but facing a short week, you know, I was talking to some of the guys in the locker room about the body recovery and it's just, everybody's different, you know, on how they treat their body after the games and after practices and such. So I don't think we're there yet. I think practice squad elevations, Cameron Irving has got to be number one. I think he's going to be an option at right tackle. I think that's what you're going to look at. Um, you know, left tackle. I think there's a different option that they're going to have there as well. And so, you know, we'll have to see how kind of things in, uh, transpire, but you know, they're not going to have James Hurst this week. They're not going to have Ryan Ramchek in the lineup. So they're going to have to figure that out, obviously. But for him, I, I get Jalen Smith. I, I think it's just a matter of time, but DeMario is going to be fine. You know, I haven't seen or heard anything different that would suggest otherwise. I think his time will come, but I really like how him and Pete Warner have been playing. And, you know, look, it's, it's, Zach Bonds, I think, played a little bit better, too. You know, I get that interception that he dropped for a fumble. That's a bad look, but I think he's played a little bit better, too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know Saints fans are probably like, why'd you got to bring that up again, John? But uh, we'll get into this next question here from uh, Denise. Pretty fair question. Uh, is Derek Carr playing hurt? I mean, injury report would kind of tell us probably yes, um, but what's kind of the indication you got through what uh, Derek Carr has kind of gone through? And it, and it seems like they added chess to the injury report this week, so – What's kind of the, the latest with uh, number four? 
Yeah, I'd be a little bit more concerned about the chest. Uh, you know, he got hurt or got hit on a play, and he was down on the field for a little, for a brief moment. I won't say a lot, but you know, he just kind of got hit, and so that's where that chest injury comes from. Look, I think his shoulder is getting much better. You know, I don't think the shoulder is really a concern at this point. Um, you know, I, I again, without giving too much away and, and saying too much, I think he's just fine. I don't think it's an issue with his shoulder. Um, you know, now is he a hundred percent? I don't know if I can say that, but I think he's way better than at least 85 to 90% of what he's out there and he's getting better each week, but, you know, seeing him in practice, seeing what he's able to do, I don't think there's any concerns about way he makes some throws, um, and such and what he can do. And some of them got to be a bit better, you know, kudos to Rashid Shahid for his big old catch that he made, because I thought Derek would hit him in stride a little bit more. It was a little bit less less uh, air on it and such but you know again i think he's just fine i don't think he's playing hurt whatsoever like in in a sense that would affect anything okay so we got a, another comment here with hiring i don't know if young and experienced oc would go together but let's just say would hiring an experienced oc as a consultant to assist pete with game planning and play calling help someone from the outside perhaps what's kind of your thoughts about them bringing in an outside guy i, I feel like maybe this late in the season well not this late in the season but you are six games in is maybe tough, but uh, what are kind of maybe the, the odds of the Saints bringing in another voice? And I know we talked about Gruden maybe as a consultant or whatever, but um, what would you kind of put in terms of the odds of, of calling in someone else and saying, man, what the heck are we doing wrong here? What, what do we kind of have to fix? Yeah, I don't I don't know if I see that. You know, I, I think what I alluded to earlier is that, you know, again, you talk about game planning. If Pete's no longer calling plays, I think that he would go to the game planning and they would turn that over to Ronald Curry, somebody that has been able to call plays. I think Ronald Curry is a very up-and-coming guy. I think he brings some fresh perspective and new ideas to the table and some things that he can execute on. Um, but, you know, again, we'll see if that actually happens. But I think they're giving Pete the benefit of a doubt. And I know people are going to be like, I, I don't understand. I get it. But they're giving him a chance still to make this work. And, again, if this team's 0-6 – it's a different conversation. If they're four and two or five and one, nobody cares. Right. And so it's just maddening because these were games that you could win. You could have beat the Packers. And I don't know if it's all on the offense. You can't necessarily say that because groupie misses a field goal at the end. The defense falls to pieces in the second half. You know, I don't think it's totally saying, well, that was Pete Carmichael's fault. Right. Cause James came in, they were still moving the ball a little bit there. He moved the ball extremely well in the end of the game too and put the team in a position. That's a kick you got to make. And if you make that kick, I think that's a win right there. Tampa game, that was probably the only one that they really just got hit in the mouth. And I don't think that would have been any different no matter who the play caller was, right? Um, especially with Derek coming to get back and, and playing, um, you know, through everything. But, you know, this game against the Texans, I think that's the other one that you had a legitimate chance of winning. You had four drives at the end that you had scoring chances in a position. You got to put points up on the board, and they only got three. And that groupie miss inside of 30, he knows it as well as anybody. You don't have to say it and spell it out. It's it's unacceptable. You can't do that, right? I mean, that's that's almost automatic. And so for you to just kind of completely olay and hook that kick, that's that's bad. But if he makes that kick, it puts it a little bit different. If he makes the long kick, then you're just needing a field goal in this. And so it's all a bunch of hypotheticals and what ifs, but you know, again, if they change anything, it's not like somebody new will come in with this fresh perspective in the middle of the season and save this, this team on the offense. It would be more likely Ronald Curry comes in and does the work and calls the plays. P 
Pete, I don't think would get fired. He just maybe just assist in the game planning and maybe take a step back. Yeah, fair enough. Th this comment slash question concerns the heck out of me if this, this happens. Uh, but Justin to get me cash says, what happens if the Saints <laughs> drop their next four games? John, I don't want to know what you guys would have to uh, deal with, you know, on, on social media and whatnot if this ends up happening. But uh, let's say this were to happen. I I'd assume that's where kind of people start sounding the alarm. Yeah, you couldn't defend anything at that point. If they lose the next four games, when you're gifted, again, I say gifted, Trevor Lawrence is not going to be 100% clearly. You're not playing against Anthony Richardson. You're playing against Gardner Minshew. Then Justin Fields is probably not going to play against you. And then you're probably going to look out and not have to face Justin Jefferson. Those are four tremendous gifts. And the Vikings are not looking good, too. And so... I think three and one is where you have to go in this to make it be a little bit better on you. But again, then comes into play where fans are still going to be skeptical and be like, okay, well you played these games and you won against them when they didn't have this or blah, blah, blah. And so they're going to have to have to prove themselves even further. But you know, if they lose four in a row here, it's the wheels are off, right? The, everything has to be looked at. And I think there's got to be some very strong accountability and there can't be any more just air words, fluff or anything like that. Something real actually would have to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And there's no pessimism without a little bit of optimism. So got this question from Hunter. Realistically, is there a good chance we get into the playoffs? Obviously it's just six games in They're three and three. And the good thing is, I mean, no one's pulled away in the NFC South. Or, or kind of the NFC as a whole as well. But uh, what, what's kind of the odds here? Obviously, I, th I think we're both in agreement. A, a win Thursday kind of, for a moment, even if it's brief, changes the perception about what this team could potentially do. Yeah, my thing was like, if there's a good chance, it's like, have you seen the NFC? They're not really that good this year. And so, look, I think San Francisco is obviously one of the top dogs. Philly as well. I think Detroit's a very big sleeper team. They are getting things done in a way that's just – kind of scary and makes them a little bit of a sleeper team. Right. And so somebody's got to win the division. I mean, we talked about it. I never bought into Carolina. I thought Tampa, you know, I think Baker Mayfield was playing a lot better than what I thought he might be. And so he's getting it done and the defense is doing their thing. Atlanta's kind of that wild card, but again, they, they lost the game when everybody's talking about, well, Desmond Ritter can't lose at home and all this other stuff. And that finally got off. And so, it's just uh, hard because like I, I put out and said, are we going to go through this again with the NFC South where it's just like nobody wants to win this division for some reason or nobody wants to pull themselves ahead. And so look, the, the bottom line is, yes, I believe there's a really strong chance because again, you're three and three, you have so what 11 games left on the schedule and there's seven playoff teams. So there's a really, really good chance, but they have to, make everybody else believe it, not just me telling you that. Yeah, fair enough. Before we wrap it up, John, I, I'm going to throw in my own question because I am curious. I think, you know, I talked about it with Lance before the Patriots game, and obviously the, the Saints offense, they finally exploded that game, but we were talking about whether or not that unit could actually turn it around, and he said pretty much anything that you may want to say in terms of optimism and, like, hoping, that's all it is. It's kind of just hoping because there's no real proof that they can do it consistently. For you, you're in the building. You see what's going on. Obviously, when we bring up Alvin all the time, you can tell how bad guys like him want to win and just fix this thing because the talent is there. Do you? Is it more of hope when you think about, oh man, I think this offense can turn it around Thursday, or or are we kind of, or is there really a belief? Like there is a belief that I, I do think it finally snaps. Like where are you at in this whole thing? Is it more just 
either optimism and hope or is it actual conviction and man, I think they have the guys that are going to figure it out. Yeah, I believe they can. Now, again, the offensive line is my biggest concern going into Thursday night. And so I think and I believe this offense will find itself and its identity. The question is when and is it going to be too late? I think that's the biggest thing is, is that if you can start, if you can, if you can win against Jacksonville and show some some really strong improvement here, you've got a mini buy. You're going to be well rested and get some maybe some other players back to be able to play uh, your next game on the road against Indy. Then you can stack that win, and then you got Chicago at home. You can potentially not play against Justin Fields. I mean, it's just going to stack them, and and it starts with the one. But I believe the offense can be better. I believe that they they feel like it and they believe it. It's not just lip service. I think again in this locker room mood. There's not somebody that's just going around flipping chairs and, you know, getting on other people. They, they, they're together, right? They were together last year. Right. And I think that's the other thing that I, I talked about too. And, and it took time. And Matthew just said, look, we're just not as good of a team as we thought, or do you think we are? And that, that was a very humbling thing. And then they kind of went on that tear defensively. And so again, um, you know, I don't think there's any, any animosity, this, this team, these coaches, and these players, they really like Dennis Allen. I think Dennis Allen is extremely good when it comes to the defense. I mean, you do you want to go back to the days of what it was like before him and in the defense? I just don't think so. But you know, they got to be able to put more than twenty points up on the board, and that seems to be a challenge for whatever reason. And so, hopefully, they can get it done. I believe they can. I don't know if we'll see it against Jacksonville. I was looking for improvement. I think getting Kamara back is going to be huge. I think getting Jamal Williams back would be huge too. Uh, I, I, when they get Juwan Johnson back, I mean, he's been dealing with that injury. I think he's got to, to come back as well. And so look, if you lose this game, then I think it, it turns up the pressure cooker a good bit, but if they win, it's a step in the right direction. I think they can do it. If they don't, then it's a completely different conversation because you're going to three and four. Yeah. It's still a lot of things that can happen there, but you, you, at some point you got to, hold people accountable. You got to make some changes that are going to benefit this team. And some of that might hurt. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And, and we'll see in terms of the pressure. I, I know fan wise, it's definitely on. I've, I've, I have felt those vibes for like the last 48 hours. It's been intense, but I guess that's also what makes saints fans great. But like you said, John, really important game Thursday four game schedule opening up where, man, this is a really Good opportunity. If DA is going to make this thing work, if Pete's going to make this thing work, it's now or never. It kind of feels like uh, we'll see what happens. Saints, Jaguars, Thursday night. As always, guys, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for leaving your questions. Make sure to subscribe to Buku Media's YouTube page and check out what Johnson putting up, not just on YouTube, but also on Twitter or, or X, whatever we're calling it these days. Uh, and obviously with the Saints News Network, he does great work there. But that's going to wrap it up for us tonight. Have a great Tuesday night, everyone. We'll be back with more coverage over the next 24, 48 hours as the Saints get ready to face the Jacksonville Jaguars.